Is anybody excited about being in church today? You're glad to be in the house of God. I was walking in and someone asked me, what about those pants, Pastor Rick? And I said, I'm going golfing after church today. But in all reality, you know, I, I wore these pants in California and everybody was like, man, this, this is so cool, it's cool pants. And you know, a lot of other people had. And I told my wife, I said, I won't wear those in Norman. And this morning when we was getting ready for church, she saw these britches. She said, you need to wear them right there, baby. And I said, that's all I need to hear. So, so this is all about the wife today. It's wifey day today. It's perfect match. God is good, isn't he? I want to say welcome to Chad this morning. Chad, I see you over here. Chad Williams is in the building, y'all. This man served in this house a long, long time. And... Uh, JC, welcome home. In case you guys don't know it, uh, they launched a news network this week or last week. BNC, find that. And uh, we celebrate you, sir. You just keep doing great things. Clap your hands for JC Watts. Awesome. Tell three people it's on in this building right now. Come on, tell them it's on in this building right now. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to get right into this this morning. I've had a couple of wonderful days with my wife in Dallas and uh, thus the britches. But we had, we had a great time in Dallas and just glad to be back home. But uh, when we do Valentine's, we do it big. And uh, we had a great time. And I, I'm saying that to say I want to tell Pastor Josh how much I appreciate him covering on Wednesday night. I just received all good, good reports. There's just a lot of good stuff happening. Can you say amen to that? Genesis chapter 2. If you're wondering where that is, just go to the beginning of the Bible. And just flip over one chapter, chapter 2. And I want you to rest your attention Rest your attention on verses 18 through 25, and uh, we'll read that and get right into the word of the Lord today. I'm excited to be in the house of God. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Praise the Lord. Bless his name. Thank you, Spunk. Um, everything that God had created to this point, he crowned it with three words, it is good. But when he made man, he said, it is not good. It is not good that he should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. You've heard that preached on before. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Well, that's some serious authority. That God gave man the ability and the authority to say whatever you call it, that's going to be its name. I just want to say to the men in here, be careful what you call it. Yeah. 
And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, pay close attention, made he a woman and brought her to the man. That's diametrically opposed to what you, you are taught because everybody refers to the scripture in Proverbs that says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever found something you wasn't looking for? Yes, you have. The Bible says here that God brought her to him. He did not go look for her. I'm just challenging you a little bit. Some of y'all need to quit chasing stuff, but let me keep reading here. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, this is now. Say that word now. In the Hebrew, it's interesting because he says, finally. I've seen all the birds, all the things that walk and crawl, but I hadn't seen this before. <laughs> Somebody say, finally. <laughs> this is now. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Structure and sensitivity. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave, join, be welded to his wife and they shall be one flesh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, the anointing that is conspicuous in this building today. And I ask you, Lord, to allow me and help me to articulate what the Spirit is saying in this hour. As we go through just some practical things concerning relationship, we ask you to let there be a diadem of oil that rests on top of these practicalities. That there would be an anointing in this building that would break curses. Yes, in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that you are king and you are Lord over our families and over our relationships. And we say, have your way in this building today in Jesus' name. Now, let's everybody, one more time, give God the biggest praise you can give him today. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Praise the Lord. Before you sit down, this is a participatory service, right? So before you sit down, high five three people and tell them it's on right now. Amen. And then you may be seated. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect people, but two imperfect people 
can make a perfect match. There's a difference in a perfect catch and a perfect match. A perfect catch is a fishing term. So a perfect catch is the one you chose to keep around after you threw all the others back. You were looking for the most money, the biggest house, the best looking, and you called that a perfect catch. My question to you is what happens when what you have caught decides they won't out of your boat? So for all the single people in the building, Stop looking for the perfect catch and start praying for the perfect match. Before I go any further, I think I should insert this short little testimony into this dialogue. Up until last year, I was single for 13 and a half years. Is there any single people in the building? Wave at me, please, if you're single. I, th I thought there would be a lot of single folks here today. I want to encourage you in something. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, you know, if you're going to be in ministry, you ought to really strongly consider about being married because marriage is a strong commitment. You can read that for yourself. When he wrote that to the church of Corinth, he was saying, in essence, when you're in ministry, you're married to a partner and you're married to ministry. And it's almost better for you to remain single to be in ministry. I'm not advocating that you should do that. I, I think there's a higher call and a higher purpose for partnership. We're going to talk about that today. But I don't, I don't want you single people in here to be discouraged because you've not found the perfect match yet. I never felt incomplete for that 13 and a half years, not for one moment. I never felt like I was half of a man because I didn't have a wife. Two half people don't make a whole person. And really, complete people are looking for complete people. So I'm going to encourage you and tell you, Jesus was single. Paul was single and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You being single is okay. Now, if you want to stay single, I'm going to pray for you. But I want to encourage you. Be patient. Calm down. Everything's going to be all right. When I least expected it, I ran up on the best thing I ever found, my beautiful wife. A perfect match is what we're talking about today. 
And that is two people that make an unconditional commitment to another imperfect person. A perfect match is two people who have made an unconditional commitment to another imperfect person. Perfect match is not perfect people, but they are perfect for each other. In other words, they are a great fit. Say that word, fit. We're going to talk about that a lot today. Finding your fit. Perfect match. A pair where each one harmonizes with the other. That's very important. There's a difference in harmony and unison. Unison is the state of being one, but the absence of diversity. <laughs> harmony is agreement with accord. They were all gathered together in one room, in one accord. And suddenly there was a sound. Agreement means to come into gear with. To be engaged. Agreement. Amos said, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? The only reason two gears come together is to cause motion, movement. So when you are in disagreement, you are disengaged. And it's a very difficult thing to fit two gears together that were not made to fit each other. Harmony is the highest expression of unity. A consistent, orderly, or pleasing arrangement of parts. Everybody good this morning? Good. Harmony, the combination of different tones, especially when blended into chords, pleasing to the ear. We've done this before, but I had Gino play a note, a single note, but when you add the harmony note to it, it creates a chord. Right? It's powerful when you have embraced a relationship that operates in harmony. Because when you're in a relationship that does not operate in harmony, Gino, play a chord that don't make no sense. That's what it sounds like a horror movie. But when you're in a relationship that is harmonious, it sounds like this. That's beautiful. It sounds right. It feels right. It's pleasing to the ear. God is good, isn't he? Singular is powerful. Plural is more powerful. God himself did not always express himself in singular definitions. He is not independent. He expressed himself as Father, Son, Holy Ghost. 
a threefold cord is not easily broken. You're more powerful together than you are when you are by yourself. So I start studying. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 2. Y'all want to finish it? Are better. Let's say it together. Two are better than one. I say, Lord, how serious are you about this two idea? This thought come to my mind, God and couples, two trees in the garden, two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Noah loaded the ark, two nations in Rebecca's womb, two witnesses in Revelation 11 with two candlesticks, two lights on the breastplate of the priest in the Pentateuch, two commandments that all other commandments hang on, two angels sitting over the mercy seat, two angels sitting in Jesus' tomb, two tablets of stone for the Ten Commandments, two spies in Joshua chapter 2, Two courts in the house of God, the outer court and the inner court. Two choirs walking around Nehemiah's, the top of Nehemiah's wall. Two mountains. One was used to read the curse. One was used to read the blessing. Two fish that were blessed. Two criminals crucified on each side of Jesus. Two men on the mount of transfiguration, Moses and Elijah. Two streams of forgiveness that flowed from Emmanuel. One is blood and one is water. Jesus said, if any two of you agree that's touching anything, talk to me in this building. It shall be done. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 10 that he sent them out not one by one, I don't want to preach this morning. Help me. Not one by one, but two by two. I find it interesting that when he said, if any two of you, not any two of y'all. It's hard to walk in agreement with somebody that's not like you. I'll leave that there. So I continued my study. I've been thinking about this for about a week. And I thought of the power of contrast. See, many people have trouble with contrast. Racist people have trouble with contrast. Prejudiced people have trouble with contrast. Because we want everybody to look like us. Talk in the building, Pastor Rick. Talk like us. Eat what we like to eat. I'm thankful for collard greens and tacos. I want to talk to you about contrast just for a moment because it's important in relation to the perfect match. 
I'll say that again. Contrast is important in relation to the perfect match. Contrast means to compare in respect to differences. It is the degree of difference between things that are similar or the same. The degree of difference between things that are similar or the same. Contrast. See, in Scripture, the first thing God created was not chaos. It was contrast. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Say contrast. Yeah. Then in verse 2, the earth was without form. That's chaos. And void. Darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Help me, Jesus. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Not the morning and the evening. On the first day, God created contrast. Darkness, light. Are y'all with me? Night, day. Weeping may endure for a night. Contrast. But joy comes. In the morning, talk back to contrast. The appreciation of day rests in the fact that there is a night. The gratitude that we have for light is the fact that God created darkness. God created darkness. And God spoke to Moses out of the darkness. Quit saying darkness is bad. If God created darkness, he can still speak out of darkness. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? In your darkest hour, God is still there. That's why you have a moon for darkness and a moon for night. It's a lesser light, but it's still light. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? You'll never go through a time that you are without light. Say it again, contrast. The contrast continues, law and grace, sin and forgiveness, iniquity and atonement, separation and reconciliation, contrast. Genesis 8, 22, contrast continues. Noah comes out of the ark. God says these words to Noah. While the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be cold contrast. And heat. There will be summer contrast. There will be day and it shall not cease. Contrast shall not cease. No matter how much you want it to leave, it's not going to leave. There's a difference in contrast and contrary. My wife and I left 
Dallas yesterday, and I'm preaching to her all the way home. She's already heard this message. And she's just looking at me, and she said, you know, contrast is interesting when it comes to art, and she loves art, crafts, and dancing. She was a salsa dancer for like 10 years, and she can make some good salsa too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to put her on the spot. Giovanna, come up here, babe. No, she's not going to salsa dance. I don't think, but I mean, if she hauls off and does that, I'm, I'm going to be good with that too. But I asked her to come up this morning and share with you some of the thoughts she shared with me concerning contrast. Again, she loves art. Talk to us about contrast, baby. Yes, I love art. <laughs> so I automatically, when he was speaking of that and he's brought up the word contrast, I thought, yeah, in art, uh, we use contract to bring out depth. And so I thought of that, of us, in relation to that as well. But then I also thought of the color wheel. Is there any artists in the house that know of the color wheel? This is uh, an elementary teaching, but we also get very into it in art school. And so the color wheel, we know there's the primary color, and then there's the secondary color. And, but without the primary color and the secondary color, we can't have complementary colors. You better preach. <laughs> so as I sit here and I listen to his message, I just keep going back to the color wheel without... The primary and the secondary, we can't have complementary. And yes, the complementary colors sit opposite to one another in the color wheel. But here, the word opposite, it only means contrast. And so I think of us, we're different in a way, in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, culture, race, you know, music at some time, some point. <laughs> But um, we still complement each other. So in the color we are, yes, they're opposite. But the contrast, when you, when you bring them together, it makes the perfect um, contrast, the perfect, it harmonizes the two, two, two colors together. And so I was just explaining to him how um, I make sense of his message by bringing in the colors of the color wheel. Um, both together bring in the intensity of each other. Um, hence, purple and gold, or purple and yellow. Purple and gold, I love. Green and red. The funnest thing about our relationship is me learning the salsa. I'll show y'all another time. But... Help her down, please. In this church, we all about standing, not falling. But what stood out to me about all she just said, which was very informative, babe, thank you, was that contrast adds depth to art. And I thought about that in our relationship. 
our contrast has actually made us deeper people. Because now I've gained a great understanding about a culture that I was familiar with but didn't know. She was familiar with my culture, but she didn't know. Now she knows it. And now I know it. Which added depth to our relationship. I said before she came up that there is a difference in contrast, contrast and contrary. Contrast, as she just explained, is showing the difference in two things. Contrary is showing how opposite two things are. Opposites attract or do opposites attack? We should never take pride that we are contrary to our partners. We should have respect in our contrast as partners. God sent me in your life because I'm opposite of you. As if you've got the badge of fixing somebody. A contrary relationship is a very hard relationship to maintain. The brothers are being very quiet right now. But it is. And I just believe if we could learn to appreciate the contrast in our relationships, it would strengthen us as couples. So I continued my thought pattern, and I thought of relationships being complementary. I want to give you this definition for a complementary relationship. It is a relationship between two people in which each person's life is most complete when the other person is involved. Thus stating the effectiveness of the individual is most fully realized and recognized when their partner is engaged in their purpose. Woo. There's a lot of difference between a codependent relationship and a complementary relationship. Codependent relationship says, I cannot feel good about myself without your endorsement. Codependent relationships are fragile. Complementary Complementary relationships are fluid. They flow. Codependent relationships take somebody to be a controller and somebody to be manipulated. That's a recipe for disaster. Because you are her husband, don't make you her savior. And because you are his wife, don't make you the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because that in it he had rested. Now listen very carefully. From all his work. Listen carefully. Which God created and made. 
Not just what he created, but also what he made. Two different things. Let's look at man first. Coming for you, brothers. <laughs> Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Man was formed. That's what the Bible says. And the Lord God formed man. This is the first creation God made with his hands and not a word. Everything else he spoke into existence. But not man. When it came to man. He formed him from the dust of the earth. The first sense that man ever experienced was not hearing. It was touch. Y'all didn't hear that there. The first sense that man ever experienced was not hearing. It was touch. It was feel. I tell Joe Vaughn all the time, I'm touchy-feely. Yeah. <laughs> now, some men don't like all that touching, but I do. <laughs> There's no greater feeling than we in worship service. I got both my hands raised, and I feel my wife's hand on my back. That touch says a volume of things to me. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. I'm standing next to you. I'm right here. You about to preach. While you're preaching, I'm praying. I got your back. There's power in touching. And the first thing man ever felt was a touch. He was formed, not spoken into existence. Woman. Verse 21, chapter 2. Are we good, y'all? Yeah. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her to the man. And God sanctified the seventh day and blessed everything he created and made. He made a woman. I'm just reading the Bible. The word made in Hebrew right here means he built her or he fabricated her. Women are special because you are the only creation God built. Boy, this is strong. He built you. And when he built my wife, he took his time. I'm sorry. I'm still on Valentine. Lord have mercy. Now watch what he did. He takes a rib. He leaves with the rib. How you know he left? Because he brought her back. 
He went somewhere with this rib. And he built this woman. Then he brought her back to the man. And if you read the Bible, the Bible will tell you that he brought her back to see what he would call her. Men, be careful what you call your wife. All the women said, amen. Every man lives with a king inside of him, and he lives with a pauper inside of him. Every woman lives with a queen inside of her, and she lives with a pauper inside of her. If you speak to the queen, you're going to talk to the queen. If you speak to the king, you're going to talk to the king. Whatever you talk to is what you're going to hear from. Talk back in the building. Whatever you speak to is what's going to respond to you. Help me, Jesus. Very important that we understand that. So when you look at a woman, your wife, your partner, you must realize that God built this creation. I'm going to go a little deeper with you ladies today because you need to hear this. The word made in Hebrew, the proper etymology is on this wise. She was built in order to build up. There can't nobody build up a house like a woman. Men, we just can't do it. We're not built for it. But let mama step in. Let mama start saying stuff over a house. It means to rebuild anything that's been broken down. To turn back to the starting point in order to repair, to set up, and cause to continue. When a woman makes up in her mind, this is what's going to happen. We're going to pray until something breaks. We're going to continue doing what God called us to do until we see our baby saved. I don't want to go this far, but I'm going to do it anyway. Women, you were built to carry. Everything about you says carry. Brothers, you were not. Women were built to deliver. They were built to push until something is birthed. Talk back to me. Women are built to stretch and come back to proper form. Women know how to pray better than men. That's why Jesus said men ought always pray and not faint. And then he told a story about a lady praying. Because even Jesus knew women pray better than men. They know how to carry something in the spirit until it happens. This ain't even in my notes. I'm trying to encourage some women in here today to tell you to keep on praying. That's why Jeremiah, he didn't say call for the praying men. He said call for the travailing women. Because women will pray until something is birthed. Women will pray until something is stopped. Women will pray until something starts. I've been praying God fill this house full of women that know how to intercede and travail and pray until every curse is broken, until every family member is saved, until every addict is delivered. God, get an anointing up on these women to pray like they ain't. I need some sisters in this building. Jump up on your feet and give God praise like you know you got this thing covered. 
Bless your name, Jesus. Come on, look at another sister and tell them, we got this. We got this. We're built for this. Next time your husband acting crazy, just look at him and say, do you realize how I am built? Do you realize how I am fabricated? Do you realize I don't break down and fall apart and lose my mind just because you acting crazy right now? Amen. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Woman, many Hebrew definitions. Man, I, I don't even want to get into some of it. Wombed man. But in this context, Adam says, it's wombed me. I'm coming at you. Stop looking for what is not similar. For you to be looking for your opposite to complete you is a sure sign you are not fully sure of your proper identity. When I looked for my wife, I didn't look for somebody to complete me. And I sure didn't look for somebody to compete with me. I like me. And some of y'all are like, whoa, really, Pastor? Yeah. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Some of y'all, I don't want y'all loving me like you love you. I wanted to find me in a woman. How do I know Giovanna is me? We spoke the same language before we ever started, and it wasn't Spanish. It was purpose. It wasn't English. It was direction. Where are you going, and what are you about? I found me in her, and she found her in me. He, pre he fabricated her to fit him. He fabricated him or formed him to fit her. I'm going to say it again. He formed him to fit her. He fabricated her to fit him. You in a mess when you hooked up with something that don't fit. Helpmate, suitable. It has to do with fitting. If the suit don't fix, you have to have it what? Altered. Some of you need to take your marriage to the alteration clinic called counseling because you need some stuff cut off and some stuff added to because you're not fitting. And where there's not a fit, there's always friction. And where there's always friction, there's always frustration. And when there's always frustration, there's a doubt of a bright future. The question is, are you fitting? Okay. Wasn't going to go here. Holy Ghost said go here, so I'm going to go here. God formed man. He fabricated woman. Hmm. 
When the fabrication, my dad and my family are welders, they fabricate fight, pipe, I'm sorry, to fit each other, right? So you go to a fab shop to have the pipe fabricated to fit other pipe. The Lord spoke to me this morning and said, too many people are trying to fit fabrications to what used to be formed and has now become deformed. A deformed man is dysfunctional in purpose. And when he's got a fabrication attached to him while he is acting dysfunctional and deformed, the fabrication says, I cannot connect with you any longer. You are not acting like your original self. And the only hope for the deformed man is to be reformed. And when he's reformed, he can actually be transformed. And the fabrication will fit again. You're deformed when you're being unfaithful to your wife. Preach in the building, Pastor. You are deformed when you've got DMs happening behind the scenes and you're hiding it from your wife. That's not proper functioning. Who's quiet in the building? So the fabrication gets confused with the form because the form has a responsibility to dress and keep everything it is connected to. And if you're not dressing it and keeping it, you're being irresponsible. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. And now you give the fabrication nothing but frustration. Until, and you wonder why so many divorces happen. Ladies, when you're fabricated to fit a form, it's detrimental to, for you to try to fabricate yourself to something else. Preach, Pastor. Quit playing around. Because what you are playing with has the potential to destroy your union. Perfect match. I'll end it like this. God does not bring partners together just so you won't be lonely anymore. He brings them for you to enjoy the fullness of your purpose and power in this earth. God is good. Do you love the Lord? Perfect match. Is there a perfect match? Absolutely. Stop being connected through attraction and start being connected through direction. Are we going to the same place? Because if we not, if we not going the same direction, we cannot walk together. Deuteronomy 32, 31 can put a thousand to flight. But two can put 10,000 to flight. I never felt like I wasn't anointed as a single man. Thirteen and a half years, I preached the gospel, kept preaching, kept being effective. And I've had people tell me this, Pastor Rick, since you got married, 
your preaching went to another level. Since you got married, your anointing doubled. Guess what? They write. Because now, there's two of me. And there's two of Jovanas. And two of us can put 10,000 to flight. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and have dominion. You can have authority by yourself. But if you want dominion, you have to have a partner in your life. When we pray together, stuff changes. So I wrote two things down. Realize the importance of the importance of having a partner in purpose. Not a partner because you want somebody to hang out with. Number two, recognize the power that partnership brings to your life. Perfect match. Perfect match is Giovanna and I, I think we're a perfect match. You know why I say that? Because I have no reason not to say that. Everything about my marriage says this is a perfect match. I understand her. She understands me. We get things accomplished. We dream big. When we pray, we feel it. It's not just something dry. When we join hands, we feel like God is moving stuff and changing stuff. You know what? That's what I'm praying for you. So your question is, well, Pastor Rick, I'm married and man, it sure don't feel like a perfect match. Well, let me help you. God can refabricate your entire marriage. He can reform and transform your entity. And when he does, you become super powerful. God is good, isn't he? Let's everyone stand. I'll remind you that a perfect match is not two perfect people. It's two imperfect people that are perfect together. Somebody told me the other day, man, Pastor Rick, do you and Giovanna ever even have an argument? Number one, it's none of your business. And number two, if we do, we know how to get through it. We know how to navigate through the disagreement in order to get back to the place of agreement because the place of agreement is where we're powerful. The place of disagreement is where we are dysfunctional. Hurry back to agreement. Can you say amen to that? Have you enjoyed anything here today? Have you enjoyed this word? I hope so. This is Relationship Month, and, you know, we're bound and determined at Quest Church to follow the Holy Ghost, and that's why we've waited this long up into February before we even started talking about relationships, because we were determined to stay on the agenda of the Holy Spirit. But when we got through with that part of the word that God was giving us for this year, God released me and said, now talk to him about relationship. Every church in America is preaching on relationships right now. So for the next few services, we're going to keep talking about relationships. And you're going to understand that you were created for divine connection. 
not just in marriage, but in covenant relationships. You're going to understand the importance of loyalty, faithfulness, covenant. Amen. Giovanna, come up here, baby, and pray with me. We're going to pray over. I'll tell you what I want you to do. I'm just asking God, you know, I'm talking and asking God what we should do. If you as a couple want to come up here and have Giovanna and I pray over you, please just come. Just bring your wife or Come on up here. If you if you want prayer, it's not like you're saying, man, we're going through hell. We're about to divorce. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you want your relationship blessed. Just come. I may be stretching it some, but You'd be far-reaching to say any relationship in this building is, has more contrast in it than Giovanna and I's relationship. There's a lot of contrast here. And we make it work because we love each other. Love covers a multitude of sin. Can you say amen to that? Please lift your hands together as couples. Father, my wife and I stand in harmony and agreement today. And we speak over these relationships that are in this altar. Two imperfect people can make a perfect match. And we call for that to happen. That these people would walk in full agreement. That the pace of their purpose would be in accordance with one another. I pray for patience, long-suffering, joy, loving-kindness, mercy, I pray for all of those virtues to flow in these relationships. My wife and I speak success to these marriages. Can I do something here? Raise those hands real high. I'm going to do this because I feel like the Holy Ghost would have me do this. I bind the spirit of divorce. In Jesus' name. I bind it. I bind it. And I say to you what God has joined together. Let no man put asunder. You are together for a reason, and you're together for a great, great cause and future in Jesus' name. Well, we love you all, and we speak success to you and success to the kingdom. If anyone in here needs prayer for anything, the prayer partners will be in the altar to pray for you. Celebrate each other today. Love on one another today. You can be that perfect match.